Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchis Trumais, the laws of the heave offering or the gift offering to the Kohen. Perik Sheni, chapter 2. And here he defines what is obligated in Truma. Kel Eichel Odom. The first thing is, is it has to be food fit for human consumption. The second thing is Hanishmar. It has to be guarded, not something that's open to the public, but privately guarded. Chayo Bitruma, so if it's fit for human consumption, and it is treated as private property and protected, then it's obligated for the mitzvah of Truma. Or mitzvah asay, and it would be a positive commandment then, lahafrish to set apart, mimenu of it, reishis, the first grains, la kohen to the kohen. And that's the gift of Truma. Shenemar, as it says, reishis, the beginning, digoncha of your grains, tireishcha v'yitzarecha, grain, wine, and oils, titen lo. And these are the primary foods from which the mitzvah of truma are taken. All types of, number one, grains, number two, wines, number three, oils. <coughs> We're going to learn later, what if something is not grain, and it's not wine, and it's not oil, such as vegetables, then there's actually a debate as to whether this is biblically obligated in Truma, or the Rambam says it's actually a rabbinic obligation because it's not grains, wines, or oil. But we'll learn that later. Ma dogon But here he says, just as grain, wine, and oil. Ma it's edible to people. It's food for people. Vigidulav minoritzen grows from the ground. We learned earlier, and we learn here as well, that what does it exclude when it says grows from the ground? It excludes something like mushrooms. Because mushrooms don't grow from the ground, they grow from the air. And it has to have ownership. It's not public property. As it says, your grains, it has to belong to you. All similar Foods, chayah betrumas, are obligated in trumas, v'chein b'maistras. By the way, he says the same law applies for the Levite tithe. But right now, we're talking about the Kohen's truma, but similar laws, he says, applies to the tithe of the Levite. Base two. Now he gives some specific species. Hakarshinin, something which is called karshinim, and he says here, this is like a vetch, like beans that are used as animal fodder. Although they're not human food, however, being that they are eaten in difficult years, famine years, where human beings will actually eat this, because of that, Chayovin, they're obligated with Trumo, Maestras for Trumo, and Maeser. Some more specifics. Sia, the Eze, Va Coronius. Sia, Hyssop grass, or Coronius. 
He says, this is a common translation of the term Azov. Others say it's oregano. Various grasses. Shezron, mitchilo la'odom, that to begin with, were planted with human consumption in mind. Because if not, then it's not human. Then it's not obligated. Chayobim b'maiser, but they would be obligated in tithing. V'chein kol and similar applications. However, if, however, he planted them for the animal food purpose, not human, but animal. In other words, there are certain things that are borderline. Sometimes they're treated as human food, sometimes as animal food. Here it depends what the intent was. Even though he thought about it, and he decided to have them act as food for people while they were still growing, Pturim, they're exempt from Maiser Truma. Why? That which takes place in the thought process while, great, while foods are growing means nothing. What if they grew on their own in a courtyard? If it's a privately guarded courtyard, which guards its produce, then it's obligated. Because we can assume that they are for human consumption. But if it's not guarded, if its produce is not guarded, they're exempt because we can assume that because it's not guarded, it's not for human consumption. Gimel 3. Seeds of garden vegetables which are not edible, to gain, for example, zera, the seed of lefes, turnip, vizera, and the seed of tnein, radish, vizera, and the seed of b'tzolam, onions, or kayetzebohan. We're talking about the seed. Biturin These seeds are exempt from trumo and maises, meneshe einon, eichalodim, because they're not human food. Avobot haketzach, by contrast, Caraway seed, chayiv, betrumo, b'maisres, does have the obligation of truma and maisres because it is human edible foods. Dalit, more, shall tilt and we shall hard, we shall pull all over, we shall sell it, bakafrasin shall sell Blossoms of chilba, mustard seed, white beans, capers, and the caper bark, all of the above are exempt because they're not, vipneshein and pri, they're not considered produce. When does this apply? Kishezra and Lizera. When they were sown to produce seed. Avobot, Zeron, when they were planted. Liyarak for vegetables, for eating, for produce. Then they are food. One can argue that there is an obligation. So also, caper berries, Chayovim have the obligation of Neshem Pri because they are produce. So what we're gathering here is, if it's a produce and it's edible to humans, then there is the obligation. If it's not a produce or it's not edible for humans or it was planted with animals in mind, then it does not have that obligation. Hey, Kuzbor, Shezra, Lezera, when coriander was sown for seed, Yorok, Potter, Minatrum, even its vegetable, is exempt from truma and mysis because it was planted for seeds. Zra, but if it was planted for a vegetable to eat, 
Then one should set aside the truma offering and the tithes, both from the vegetable and from the seed. And similarly speaking, when Shebes, which he says here, Dill. Shabbos is translated here as dill. Which was planted for seed, Yeroka Potter, its vegetables exempt. Zra but if you planted it for the vegetable, for the food, Misa Seres Zerabiorak, then it is tithed both from its seed as well as from its produce. The Aina Misa Seres Zairin. However, it is not tithe in seed capsules. If he planted it for capsules, then he sets aside truma and meiser, from all three categories. And so also, he talks about shachalayim and garger, cress and wild cress, which were planted for the seeds, and Tithes both in the seed state and the vegetable state. Ketzad misasin in lezera uliyorik. How does this apply? Shimleket shimliket hayorik laochloi. Because if he gathered the vegetables to eat them, mafresh, then he sets aside truma the heave offering to the kohen umaisrus and the tithing for the levi. Viachakach and only then yechol. I'm just going to have a sip of tea here. And when it dries out, and he gathers the seed, he sets aside from the seed as well. Approaching paragraph 6, which is the paragraph I referred to earlier, where the Rambam writes in paragraph 6, when it comes to trumas and maestres, vegetables, even though they are human produce. So, as explained in paragraph 1, trumas and maestres should kick in. Nevertheless, it's only rabbinically obligated that one take the tithe. Why is that? They're vegetables. They're humanly consumed. Because the language in the verse with regard to tithing says... Tvuas the grain, zarechav your produce, tvuah kayetzebay, grain and similar. Avala yorokos, but the food that falls into the category of yorokos vegetables, enam bechlala tvuah, do not find themselves included in grain. Mechen yedoli, it also appears to me, says the Rambam, shuadim betruma, that this rule that vegetables are exempt applies not only to tithes, but also to the gift to the Kohen. Because with regard to the Kohen, it says, your grains, your wines, and your oils. Anything similar to grain, wine, and oil. But the truma of vegetables, is only rabbinic, says the Rambam, and this is the Rambam's opinion. Truma, like Meiser, are only rabbinically obligated in the world of vegetables. Now, where does Truma fit in with Israel, with the diaspora? We already learned this. Outside of Israel, one does not have to set aside Truma and the tithe, Maestris, from vegetables 
outside of Israel. Even in places where we said earlier we should, the law regarding vegetables are more lenient. So also vegetables, which are brought in from outside of Israel into Israel, which means that in general, the laws of Truma apply only in Israel. Outside of Israel, we talked about a rabbinic obligation. However, vegetables, even in Israel, is a rabbinic obligation. So outside of Israel, there's no obligation. Even though there's soil in the roots, it's exempt. And our sages <coughs> did not decree that this should be obligated. Hatvua grain, vakitnes and beans, shezron the yorik, which were planted for vegetables, botlodaita etzokolodam. It really doesn't matter what he planted it for, it matters what people planted for. Vayorik shalohem potter, and the answer is seeds, and therefore the vegetable is exempt. Vazerachayeb betrumo maises, but the seed would be obligated. Ches hatilton even though tilton is not considered as fit for human consumption when it becomes hardened. Tilton is an herb identified as chilba, a sharp and pugnant herb used in Eretz Yisrael today. And he says there are certain laws that deal with chilba as if it were not fit for human consumption, and he deals with this later. Being that most people eat it in its earlier stage, there is an obligation to separate truma and maiser. Now we learned earlier in the primary, in the prior rather, category of laws of charitable gifts, agricultural charitable gifts, that there are gifts like leket. Shikha, Peya, Peret, Eileles, all of the gifts of the field that are given to charity. What if somebody collects a lot of those? He's the recipient of those. Is he obligated to give Trumas and Maisris? Elup, Turimina, Trumas, Rumina, Maisris, the following are exempt from the law of both Truma, the heave offering to the Kohen, and Maisra, the tithe, Haleket, that which the poor collected, gathered, va'shikha, the bundles forgotten by the farmer, taken by the poor, va'peya, the corners of the field, v'haperet v'aileileis, and the various wine, grape gifts, afilohem midmehen kri, even if the poor man created a master grain heap out of them, he looks like a farmer, still, it's all stuff he received as charitable gifts, not obligated in Trumas or Maestras. However, if he created a grain heap out in the fields where he looks like a farmer, in that case, our sages obligated him to do the tithing. And he has to set aside Trumas or Maestras because we don't want people saying that here's a guy that went ahead and harvested and got away with it. But if he made this grain heap in the city limits, nobody makes grain heaps in city limits. Tudem is exempt. Because they have a reputation. Because everybody will know that this is a byproduct of leket, shikha, upeya. 
Yud haleket Now, we have a situation where the farmer was a non-Jew, a very nice non-Jew, and he left charitable gifts to the poor, and the poor acquired them, and the poor are Jews. Is this food that the poor acquired obligated for Trumo and Maestros? The answer is yes, because the non-Jew doesn't have the mitzvah to set aside gifts for the poor, so he doesn't have the exemption. And that's what he says in Yud, very interesting law. <laughs> the agricultural charitable gifts given generously by a non-Jewish farmer, that's wonderful, but the recipient has to treat them as if they are grains and produce that came to him. So he has to give truma and he has to give meiser. Whereas a Jewish donor, the Torah exempts it. Unless the condition is that the non-Jew made this public property. Public property never has these laws applied to it. But if he just gifted it to the poor, that's something else. And similarly speaking, we learned earlier that when there are grains, vazesim and olives, that did not mature even a third of their maturity, so they're very immature, they're raw, they're not ripened, they're unripe, they are also exempt from the gifts of trumo and maestras. Why? Because they're not mature, they're unripe. How do we know exactly whether produce reaches a third of its growth or not? What do we do? We ask it. The answer is, the litmus test is you take it now and you plant it. If it grows, that means it has matured into a seed. That means that it brought at least a third of its potential. But if it didn't mature at least a third, and he went and set aside... Truma, Maestris, from this unripe food, ain't a truma, it's not considered truma. Because anything that is not a third ripe, the whole law of truma does not kick in. So also something that's made public, it's made ownerless, potter is exempt from truma and Maestris. Even as we learned earlier, if the one who declared it public property was a non-Jew, and he declared it for his benefit. Something that is declared public property does not have the law of Trumas and Maestris. But if somebody acquires a public property field and he plants it, it's his field. He's obligated to give Truma and Maestris. What if a person declares standing grain as ownerless? And then, just as he declares it ownerless, he goes and acquires it. And then, he sets aside truma from it, because when he acquired it, it was standing grain, then it is truma. However, if he dedicated sheaves of grain, he declared sheaves of grain ownerless, and then he acquired them. Because once they're in the sheaf stage, that period passes. 
So also, truma is a sacred food. Anyone who sets aside and says, this is truma, from food not obligated with, for truma, ain't on truma, that food is not truma, it's not sacred. <coughs> the same goes for Meiser. <coughs> Something that's not usual. For the average person to plant in gardens and in fields, <coughs> usually these are ownerless properties. Turim are exempt. From including garlic that makes one cry, onions of rikpa, a pearled Sicilian bean, Egyptian lentils, and so on and so forth. Yud Gimel, now we have a situation where something that is obligated for truma gets mixed up with something that's not obligated for truma. Houston, we got a problem. Yud Gimel what if something obligated for truma gets mixed with something not again for example and here's an example he brings down for example olives gathered by the poor which have no obligation for truma got mixed up with olives reaped by the farmer which have an obligation for truma the inve eleles and grapes of Stuff gathered by the poor. in harvested grapes. So here we have clearly one category which has no obligation because it was gathered by the poor. One clearly does have an obligation because it was harvested by the farmer. So now we have a problem. How do we deal with the obligation of truma? The best solution is if he has other similar produce... Then then he takes the amount that he should have given, takes from other produce, and then everybody's happy. But if he only has these, then he sets aside truma, which as we are going to learn is approximately 2%. And 10% of 10%, what's 10% of 10%? Approximately 1%. For it all. He treats it as if it was all obligated for truma. He could be more liberal when it comes to the first and second tithes, which don't have the sacredness attached to it. Here's a very fundamental, interesting law. What happens to truma food? Ha-truma... Truma produce lakayin goes to the Kohen. That's nice. That is all well and good if the food maintains ritual purity. What happens if the food becomes ritually impure? What's the Kohen going to do with it? Bain Tehera, whether it is ritually pure. Bain or it becomes ritually impure. It belongs to the Kohen. <laughs> Even if the whole granary of grain or wine became impure before he even set aside anything, <laughs> he's still obligated to set aside truma from this granary, from this heap. 
in a state of impurity. And to give it to the Kohen. Shenemar vani I God says the Pasik Nasati Lakha gave to you as Mishmeres, that which is guarded as Trumaisai of my heave offering. The Kohen represents God. Achas Tahira, that is plural, including both the pure, the Achas and including the produce which may have become impure. That's nice, but what does he do with it? So he says, Hatera, the pure grain and wine and so on, Nechelis Lakayanim is eaten by the Kohen. Vatmeya, what happens to the impure produce? Yehonu Bisreposa, the Kohen could enjoy using it as a fuel for burning, for heating. Imhaya Shemin, if it was oil, Madlikanai say they can kindle it, and it's okay to use impure oil for kindling purposes. If it was grain, they can use it for heating purposes. Why? Because it's impure. It's not forbidden to benefit from. So you can benefit from its consumption in flame. The same applies to the truma. Set aside by the levy from his miser that 10% of the 10%, if it became impure, a nitmah miser or the miser itself became impure, it's okay to set aside truma from it in a state of impurity. And it is given to the kohen, to benefit in the process of burning it. Because burning also brings benefit. You know, we all have uh, heating bills. You have to pay for energy. This is energy. You're not eating it, so it's not a problem with becoming impure. Tezayin kol hamafrish truma gedele trumas meiser. The rule is that anybody who sets aside the primary truma, the 2% that the farmer sets aside, or the 10% that the levy sets aside, mevorech keidem sheyafrish, should make a bracha, before he sets aside, Kederach Shemavarchem, I'll call a mitzvah, just as we make a bracha for every mitzvah. This is a mitzvah, like all mitzvahs. So the bracha should be made before the observance of the mitzvahs. Kamei should be honored brachas, as we covered in the laws of brachas. And finally, the closing paragraph of chapter 2. Ein meitzien, truma mehaoretz lechutzeretz. We should never take truma out of Israel and bring it to the diaspora. Afilotmeya, even impure truma, still may not be taken out of the land of Israel. We should never bring truma from outside of Israel into Israel. And if he did bring it, it should not be eaten. Why? Because as we will learn later in great detail, our sages issued a decree that anything that was outside of Israel took upon itself a certain level of impurity. Because it became impure due to its contact with the land of the nations, and we will learn these details later. But it should not be burned. People will say, hey, we saw truma, <coughs> nothing became impure with this truma, and we saw it burned. So that bad precedents will be set. It should not be brought back into the diaspora. People will say, you're allowed to bring truma out 
into the diaspora. You let it be until it takes on impurity. Or until Erev Pesach comes in my Sachomets. If it is Chomets, it must be burned anyway. End of chapter 2.